Crafties, we are back with our Strixhaven set review. From this show forward, it's standard only, so kick back and enjoy the set review. Okay, so um, now we're going to transition into talking about standard, which uh, basically add like five turns to the format, and now we're in Strixhaven standard. So to kick this off, I'm going to let you do the honors to read this card, Kovac Go Blue. I think it's a, it's a very CGB-ish card. The honor is mine. Um, so, two and a white Elite Spellbinder is a 3-1 flying human cleric. When Elite Spellbinder enters the battlefield, look at target opponent's hand. You may exile a non-land card from it. For as long as that card remains exiled, its owner may play it. A spell cast this way costs two more to cast. Um, the first, before I throw it over to you and get your take on the card, I want to say the flavor text on this card is literally says the following: Paulo Vito Dama de Rosa, World Champion XXV1. That's twenty six, right? Yeah, world baby. Champion twenty six. Yeah. The art is Paulo's face on it. Paulo got this honor. By becoming the freaking champion of the world, which is one of the hardest. I, if there, I don't know what it is to be the champion of the world at things. I don't. I don't. I've only been the champion of the world at one thing ever in my life. It was the X Files trading card game in like 1997, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was not hard because nobody <laughs> played that game. Like I walked in, and there were people who had never played it before in that tournament. Wow! And I had been playing it for like a few months. <laughs> uh, oh, anyway, gosh. what I am saying is to be the Magic the Gathering world champion has to be one of the hardest things ever to be the world champion of, especially with the way the system is, the MPL, mm -hmm. and how hard it is just to get anywhere near that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is one of many, but a very, very good way to show the champion the freaking respect they deserve and the way that they rolled the card out and the way that they put it in the flavor text and made it clear what this is so that it's not like Fervent Champion. Everybody has to explain Fervent Champion, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that Javier got a card, but people don't even know that. Yeah. And yeah, this he... is like, this is our freaking world champion right here. I love it. Yeah, dude. And I mean, you know, it's only fitting that it's Paulo. I mean, a lot of people currently think he is the best Magic player in the world. Um, definitely in the conversation for top three. So, uh, yeah, I mean, congrats to Paulo. The card turned out really great. And uh, it's a powerful card as well. So, um, yeah, people are calling this like the white um, Mistbind mist click. Yes. Um, That's the one. So now that that card is has flash. Uh, that card is kind of broken. Elite Spellbinder is probably a little bit less likely to be broken, but still a very very strong card. So the the first thing to note about this is that the card remains exiled even if Paulo dies or leaves the battlefield. Yep. So um, if you have ways to blink this, like um, we were talking about. There's that card in the Mystical Archive that blinks a card twice, right? Um, is it Ephemerate? Ephemerate, mm-hmm. Maybe? Which is a pretty bonkers card. That nets you three cards out of the opponent's hand with the Elite Spellbinder. Mm -hmm. And if they if they go for removal and you do that in response, that's, a, that's basically game-winning, I think. So um, 
So blinking this card starts to kind of cascade and get nuts, but even just playing it the fairway, right? You slam this down, you take whether it's your opponent's counter spell or their thing that they were going to cast next turn. I don't know, in an aggressive deck, you could just nab your opponent's wrath the turn before they cast it. There's just a lot of cool things you can do with this card. This card has a ton of applications, and we can just kind of graze the surface. But for example, how do you like the curve of Brazen Borrow Their Thing, Untap, Elite Spellbind It so it's not coming back for another turn or two? Yeah. That's Reflector Mage, and mm-hmm. you're not down any cards. In fact, you have a 3-1 Air Force backed up by another 3-1. Yeah. You know? Nasty. That's... that's pretty good stuff mm-hmm. you talked about blinking it there's this card called yorian it hasn't rotated yet it's not a trap what? by the way what what card <laughs> cgp i don't think i've heard of this card yorian <laughs> um but anyway uh yeah like like stuff like that seems really straightforward one thing that i really like about this card is that the information is something that is so foreign to white how often mm. does white get to know your hand how often are you playing the white aggro deck being like, Extinction Event, I don't know, Shadow's Verdict, like what do they have that's going to wreck me? How do I play this turn? You get a lot of information from Spellbinder. Re- like the tax, it wouldn't be good without the tax effect, so I'm not downplaying that. But just the information of how your white deck should proceed to attack the opponent. Should you power up Faceless Haven? Do they have a Heartless Act? Like that, that kind of stuff is huge. Mm-hmm. White can't usually play face up like that, and now they can. Mm-hmm. I think this is like, is this this is the best white card I think I've seen. Ever? <laughs> in, in this set, for sure. Yeah. Uh, not counting Mystical Archive, because Swords to Plowshares <laughs> is there, and that got banned. Um, but it, yeah. like, this is going to be hard to top for this set, and the only recent card I can think of in the, in the ballpark is Skyclave Apparition, mm-hmm. and that card has been an, a rock star, a multi-format oh, yeah. rock star. Yeah. And similar to Skyclave Apparition, like a lot of the same things that work with Apparition work with spy, Spellbinders, so they're going to be friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I'm going to do things like use Nico and bounce my Spellbinder and play it again and just keep taxing their whole hand and it's gonna be fun yeah yeah there's there's an established history of disruptive 3-1 flyers being good in magic in many many formats and uh yeah this one is no it's no exception i think that this is one of those cards where if you're building a white deck with creatures in it like this will be in your should i include this card pile every time like, oh, it's in a tough spot too at three mana. Exactly. But absolutely. That's absolutely. That, that's the biggest problem with it, right? Is that white literally just I don't know. Just in general, the three mana spots kind of glutted at the moment. What do you think of this card with Winota? It's a hit off Winota. Yeah, that's pretty gas. It's <laughs> really good. Kind of locks it up for the following turn, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it just has so many applications. It's a human. It's a cleric. Um, they're printing a lot of clerics in this set, by the way. So I felt it should have been a wizard. Yeah, am I crazy? I think I I think you're right. It literally has spell in the name. So mm-hmm. yeah, should be I wizard. Don't know. Maybe, maybe, Paul maybe like wizards wizard. cast the spells and clerics bind the spells. I think that's that's what we're getting at here. Okay. Um, at any rate, yeah, another card where there are just many, 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 many applications for this card. It's very flexible and. Watch, keep an eye out for it. It's definitely, it's like, I, I feel like it's 100% going to hit standard. Do you think that that's I, fair? I predict it's a top five card in the set. Yeah, 
Yeah. That's my prediction. I think that's... I was going to say top 10. I I think it's better than that. It, it is. This card is very good. So, yep. Good job. Good job, Paulo. You deserved it. Um, okay. Next card is another excellent card. Rip Apart. Costs a borrows. One red, one white. Sorcery. Choose one. Rip Apart deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker or destroy target artifact or enchantment. Uh, that's a lot of modes, man. That's a lot of modes on one card. Yeah, it's rip apart. It's, okay, it's okay. rip it, apart. It, it, it'll never. It'll that will never happen because <laughs> it doesn't go face. <laughs> uh, I was thinking it too. I was thinking it too. Um, that so, is the biggest problem I see with the card, quite frankly. Yeah, it doesn't go face. Yeah. Well, that's just not something they want us to be able to do in standard, apparently. It's a good card. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think it's going to be strongly overrated because it looks like a card that's never dead. Mm-hmm. And I think the big issue with it is that sorcery speed and reactive instead of proactive. Yeah. So I don't think you can have too many reactive cards in your deck. And while it looks like it always has a target, it doesn't kill something if it has toughness that's greater than three or is indestructible. Yeah. Um, so you do need a variety of ways to interact if you're trying to push through your creatures in your Boros deck, which is probably what's happening. You're probably attacking. So I don't think you can afford to just smash four of this into your deck. I think it's a good sideboard and good one and two of. I was just going to say, this reads to me like a, like a two main, two sideboard kind of a card. Like, Like, let's say you're in the... Let's say you're playing against mono white aggro. This is the kind of card you definitely want a lot of copies of, right? But yeah, if you end up playing against control, you might board them all out. Um, so, yep, yeah, definitely. Like, if you're playing these colors, I feel fairly confident that you will run some number of these in your seventy-five, and you should. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. But- yeah, so, yeah, I was just going to say what I already said, which yeah. I, I think people are going to overrate this card by a lot, though. I agree. Yeah, main decking four of these feels just wrong to me. That's like a... That would only happen in like a kind of a, a meta that reminds us of, you know, people who are like ether gusting main and stuff, right? Like a kind of an imbalanced meta. But in the dark, you definitely don't. Um, all right, hit this this next one for us. Venerable War Singer. Speaking of cards I'm going to rip apart, Venerable War Singer is one red and a white for a 3-3 Spirit Cleric at rare with Vigilance and Trample. Whenever War Slinger deals combat damage to a player, you may return target creature card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield where X is the amount of damage Venerable War Slinger dealt to that player. What do you think? Can we say um, dies to, sh- to uh, everything? Let's move on. <laughs> I was I was gonna say I was gonna say dies to frostbite and rip apart. Move on, but then I realized this literally dies to just about every removal spell in the format, right? Yeah, uh, not bone crusher. Not bone giant. crusher. That's, that's, so, uh, it can't get through a bone crusher giant. That's though. a good you point. Know, trades with it. It's a good point. Um, yeah. yeah, it's hard. How do you get excited about a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three, no matter what the text line is if it doesn't have an ETB, mm-hmm. doesn't have haste, and... Doesn't become um, a 5-5 five, five somehow. Doesn't become a 5-5 <laughs> five, five to get through a Lovestruck Beast somehow. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, you just can't right now in the format. You can't. Yeah, this, this card, I feel confident, sees no play outside of some 
very particular deck or very particular scenario. I'd love to be wrong. Yeah. By the way, like yeah, if these these cards, I feel like they're in the prehistoric times of Magic were you know good and interesting, and in modern Magic have been unplayable because the power level has gone up so much. So yeah. if we get back to this being good, I'll be happy. Compare this to what was that card, Tar- Taranika, a Crowan veteran or something like that, right? Which was Taranika. <laughs> I think it is. I don't know how you pronounce that, right? But I'm pretty sure that was a white card. It was like a 3-3. And whenever it attacked, it made another one of your creatures into a 4-4 indestructible creature, right? Yeah. Yep, that's the card. Which I think is... A lot of those? (laughs) I think this is a bet. That was a better card than this. And that saw strictly zero play in standard. So anyway. You're right. Not not coming in high on the Warsinger for sure. Compare it to Lurus. Just, yes, just there you go. Just compare it to Laris. Um, okay, hit. Let's see. Uh, hit Velamarca's Lawhold for us, CDB. Five red white for a total of seven for an elderly, an, an elderly, <laughs> legendary creature, Elder Dragon. Five five. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Here Clear we go. The throat. Get, put on your reading glasses. Get ready. Flying Vigilance Haste. Whenever this card attacks, look at the top seven cards of your library. You may cast an instant or sorcery spell with mana value less than or equal to this critter's power from among them without paying its mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. What do you think of the Boros Elder Dragon? Ah, uh, boy. I mean, I'm thinking like, I don't know, dude. Is this our next hit off of Luca? Is this a reanimate target? I don't know. Like, that's that's the only direction I'm trying to go with this card. Maybe some so, if there's like a show and tell card in standard, right? You you play this. If if this is your hit off of Luca, right, mm-hmm. and you hit a five five flying vigilance haste, mm-hmm. and you attack with it, and you trigger it, and you look at your top seven, and you get I don't know, like a scorching dragon fire, and you kill a two two. Was mm-hmm. it worth it to build your deck that way? That you gave up your own creature, you played your Luca, it resolved, the opponent didn't interact with it in any way. Is that is that a play that wins the game, is what I'm asking. It definitely doesn't win the game. Yeah, and, and that's what I like that's where you have to be with those kind of all in strategies, I yeah. think. Yeah. So we what well, we can't just hit my, my point there isn't that it's not worth doing. Yeah. My point is that you can't just hit a random removal spell or a typical spell in your deck and be fine. We need to hit yeah uh something epic and what is it we we get we go seven deep we get what's probably up to a five casting cost spell what is it yeah no that's a good question i, I mean I, there is we um, could do transmogrify right we could just do another one <laughs> transmogrify your own dragon into another dragon <laughs> we're just going up the chain maybe yeah you just blew your combat step for nothing good one like um, imagine no, uh, imagine if yeah, I, I don't know, man. Because you probably just want to run a freaking Dream Trawler like like we always did, right? Yeah. Well, well one of the cool things is you do, like, you can hit the Lorehold command with this. 
Ooh, okay. It, uh, that's right. flavorful. Is mm-hmm. it a winning play? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, yeah. that is a like lightning helix and draw two cards. That's a lot. Um, right. I so I feel I feel like how we have to evaluate this card is, and you you nailed it. Is is it worth it when you're cheating? Because there's just in my opinion, no other reason to play this card, right? Yeah. And I'm not sure it's... I haven't convinced myself it's worth it when I'm cheating. Yep. I I, I'm, I don't think you're wrong. Don't think you're wrong. So, I mean, otherwise it's kind of like nice 5-5 five, five haste flyer for 7, bro. You know? It's like, can I interest you in, I don't know, Goldspan Dragon? That's Goldspan Dragon's a good card. Goldspan Dragon yeah. is basically this card, right? Like it's basically this card for two mana cheaper. Like yeah. so Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah, why why would basically why would you play this card? Seven is so much. So much it's mana. It's so man. much. Okay. Yeah. I, I, okay. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> so moving on. Uh let's see here. Got some commons and uncommons. Why don't we just skip to strict Proctor? Um, I appreciate that. Unless, let's see, hold on. Yeah, okay, let's talk about Thrilling Discovery. The people might try to play this card. I was, I was going to say, if, if you're going to make me talk about Seize the Spoils, you, you're probably talking about this one. Yeah, I, I don't know where this one shows up, but it's a card. So Thrilling Discovery, red and a white sorcery. You gain two life, then you may discard two cards. If you do, draw three cards. So um, this is basically an upgrade to Cathartic Reunion, right? Uh, in a few ways. It's not just the two life. For one thing, you can cast it with an empty hand. You, If you top deck it, you couldn't do that with Cathartic Reunion, although all you're doing is gaining two life. Yeah, that's true. But um, it's also important that the discarding effect is part of the resolution. So that's very you don't, true. You don't get blown out by a counter spell where yeah. you discarded two cards and draw nothing. Yeah. If, if this spell resolves, you gain the two life, then you make the decision. You get to discard the two cards and draw three. They can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... That's, I mean, that's pretty cool. It could actually be worse for you if you're really banking on discarding that stuff, right? This is, like, one of the nice things about Cathartic Reunion is that, like, it gets your Phoenix into the graveyard regardless of whether it resolves or not. Um, So, anyway, situational. Yeah, I don't know. This is one of those cards that shows up if there's a very particular deck that has a need for the discard and the draw. And there might be. There are cards that definitely think about what's in the graveyard and like the size of a spell in the graveyard to exile and i think it actually a lot of people are going to say two life that's no big deal i think when you're talking about two three and four mana spells tacking on some amount of life gain actually is a big deal because it's the negative tempo that's created when you spend a good portion of your turn on something that doesn't affect the board it's been a problem with so many cards for the last several years it doesn't affect the board it doesn't affect the board it's a dirtle card Life gain doesn't affect the board, but it makes it more likely that you'll be around longer to affect the board. Agreed. If that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, what I'm hearing from this, Kovaco Blue, is that this card has a certain amount of, it's a lightning helix in it. I'm not, no. <laughs> no, no, I refuse. <laughs> He's moved on, uh, which is what we're going to do. So why don't you read Strict Proctor for us? 
This is one and a white for a 1-3 spirit cleric with flying. Whenever a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability to trigger, counter that ability unless its controller pays two. So it's a Hushbringer that you can buy your way out of. Yeah, it's a fat lot of nope going on with this creature. I mean, okay, so it being a 1-3 is a fairly substantial upgrade, I would say, to Hushbringer in a format with, I don't know, Bone Crusher Giant. So that's pretty gas. Um, it's true. Yeah, this will be here when Hushbringer rotates. Also true. Doesn't um, have lifelink. Nope. Is relevant types, spirit and cleric. I just, there's there's a few problems I have with it. Um, the biggest one is, like, ETBs aren't much of a thing because the value is all wrapped up in adventure cards that you cast the spell and then you cast the other side. Like, mm-hmm. th- those don't have ETBs. Mm-hmm. You don't shut those down. Um, so, like, what are we really stopping yeah i mean in standard i definitely see us revisiting this god post rotation sure um i do feel like yeah i don't know i I guess my question is like would i currently rather play this card than hushbringer if i wanted the effect i don't think so i I I probably would buy your way out is really bad yeah yeah i i would agree with that now remind me does hushbringer say permanent or does hushbringer say creature it's creatures entering the battlefield and dying. Okay, that's interesting. So this being a permanent could matter. So this does... Uh, there was some controversy on the stream I saw that was talking about this. Mm-hmm. Shout out, Crokies. Um, but it doesn't stop sagas. It looked like it could, but it doesn't. That's because they're not ETBs, right? They Yeah. They it's go... because the counter got added. Yep, yep. That's... Which, yeah. Yeah, that's that, what triggers it. The counter triggers it, not entering the battlefield. That is a good a good rules interaction to be cognizant of for sure. Um, just another thing as well on that same vein, like anything that says like this creature enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, stuff like that. That stuff still happens as well. Mm-hmm. I think that the place that it works the most is to hose its own color, which is super awkward <laughs> because I think the best ETBs are going to be. Uh, Apollo's like card, the Spellbinder, and, and Skyclave Apparition. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's that's a really good point. Yeah, so this is another sideboard card if it sees play. Um, or I don't know, if we get into some kind of naughty matter where there's some deck that really goes off of the TTBs. But um, yeah, for the most part, sideboard slash no play is what I'm predicting for this card. Agree. Cool. Okay. Uh, we have another lesson. So, spirit summoning one, and then it has two uh, Boros. One Boros Boros, right? So it can get paid with one red red, one white white, or one red white. And it is a common sorcery lesson, and it creates a 3-2 red and white spirit creature token. So, just again, updating our... Updating our idea of how good these lessons have the potential to be. CGB, do you see this one being playable at all in standard? No. Neither do I. Uh, here's the... Th- <laughs> Dude, the lessons are going to be the thing of this set where you're going to read them no matter what, right? Because they're lessons? Is exactly. That- That's okay. what I'm going to do. Just good. Expectations have been established. We can move on. Okay. Sounds great. I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page. 
<laughs> okay, uh, how about sparring regimen, CGB? Two and a white for an enchantment. When sparring regimen enters the battlefield, learn! You will freaking learn if you're going to be part of this regiment. Whenever you attack, put a plus one, plus one counter on target, attacking creature, and untap it. What do I think about this? Um, what? This is an interesting card to put learn on. Like, it's flavorful, but otherwise, I don't know. Is it trying to scam us into playing what is otherwise a not very good card? Maybe, but I... I feel like Luminarch Aspirant was a lot better than I thought it was. Yes. And this is a card that sort of replaces itself with what's yeah. likely to be some selection, but a substandard card, and gives you a Luminarch Aspirant-like effect, but also Vigilance, which often mattered on the creatures that are getting those plus one, plus one counters to just crush races. Mm. I, I don't think this card is as bad as it reads, hmm. and that's weird because normally I would trash this card. I mean, I'm kind of coming down on trashing this card for sure. One of the things I don't like about this is that you have to actually attack to get the effect, right? So it's not Whenever at the beginning attack. of your combat step. That's correct. Yep. Yes. So that, that's one of the things that made the Aspirant so good is that you get the counter regardless, right? Whereas, like, with this card, you just, you know, like, if you don't have a good attack, I don't know. It, it's also three mana. Yeah, like three mana dude. white is the most competitive spot in Magic right now. Somehow, yeah. I think. So I think they were really hoping that the learn would pull people in on this, and as such, I'm going to call this card a trap. Oh, I will agree. Okay, we can move on. Cool, right on. Uh, semester's end. Three and a white instant at rare. Exile any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers you control. This is sounding eerily familiar. CGB. <laughs> go on go, go on, on. <laughs> where where does the bird noodle enter the equation okay <laughs> y'all really need to watch the sun video <laughs> at the beginning of the next end step return each of them to the battlefield under its owner's control each of them enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it if it's a creature and an additional lo loyalty counter on it if it's a planeswalker um, I, this card reminds me a lot of a card I get to play for free. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you can run it in your 60 card deck and it will be legal when Yorian rotates. Okay. It's fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, I don't know. You're, you're going to have to sell me on this card. I'm never playing this card. Glorious Protector is that's, an option. That's that, the card that you're excited about. Yeah, Glorious Protector is really underplayed, and for good reason right now. It doesn't line up great, but in a world without Lovestruck Beast and in a world without Yorian to trigger those ETBs, I think Glorious Protector is going to be a serious card. I've been impressed with it in a lot of spots and matchups. It's just outclassed in the format at the moment, and that's the card you should be playing because it's a body, and things that come with a body are better than things that don't. Yeah, this... And, you know, spoiler alert, this is not a way to play around your opponent's, like, wrath effect either. So don't don't be trying to think that you're going to leave up four mana for this effect on the off I chance do. that it's good for you. I mean, you're going to get somebody in the play queue. Uh, sure. <laughs> sure. It's going to happen. Some Someone's going to build a deck around this. I'm going to feel stupid, and people, life will move on. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is what we're going to do here um 
Okay, next next lesson C to be read reduced to memory. Reduced to memory is a one white white sorcery lesson. It's an uncommon exile target nonland permanent. Its controller creates a three two red and white spirit creature token. What do you think? I don't think it sucks. No, I don't think it sucks either. I I'm I'm pretty okay with this one if we're going to play learn. Um for a few reasons like if you have a goat token from a woe strider and you want to turn it into an actual threat you can do this on your own stuff but more likely you're getting rid of one of your opponent's key cards and replacing it with something that's not nearly as good and the exile part is important it's kind of hard to get a spell that just exiles any target any kind of permanent at a low price um, so it gets around indestructibility, for example, and it can hit enchantments and artifacts. It can kill gods like Clothis that are on, hanging out on the battlefield that are otherwise really tough to remove. And they can't get it back, like, with a Banishing Light. So I think this card is better than Banishing Light? Probably. And you get it somewhat for free. So I think this is a really good one. I think it's a good card. Think about this. Think about how often your Skyclave Apparition dies immediately and your opponent immediately gets like a 3-3 and you still feel fine about that exchange, right? Um, now, granted, that actually forced your opponent to do something to get that token back. Yeah, but, that's... But we also didn't get Skyclave Apparition pulled into our hand whenever we wanted to for free. So um, this this reminds me a little bit more of Skyclave Apparition than I at first would have thought. And yeah, it's just, yeah, I think that, that time has proven that this kind of an effect is often still worth it. I do want to say, like, we're, we're talking about for free. Like, in Best of One, it's completely for free uh, because we're not using our sideboard and lessons are coming from the sideboard when the learn mechanic goes off. In best of three, it does take up your sideboard spots, and this is a definitely a hot medium at best sideboard yeah. card yeah. that you're never bringing into the main deck. So your deck would have a pretty bad sideboard if it had to run a lot of cards like reduced to memory. Mm -hmm. So in best of three, there's a pretty serious cost. In best of one, though, yeah, it's a it is really close to Skyclave Apparition because this spell is free from playing something else. As long as the thing that you played to get it is a fine card, mm -hmm. you're you're good like this is a good card yeah i'd be i'd be very happy to play that the two drop two one and learn and get this card into my hand i think that's a that's a pretty solid turn to play agreed cool okay uh this next card's kind of a meme but it's a fairly powerful card so we'll read it <laughs> reconstruct history two red whites sorcery at uncommon return up to one target artifact up to one target enchantment instant Sorcery, Planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand. So you can get up to one of each of those, and then you exile, reconstruct, history. Covert go blue. Are we ever going to play this card? It's four mana draw five, dude. I... <laughs> Just straight up, and none of them are lands. They're <laughs> no, all bangers. It's all gas. 100% banger draw, four mana draw five. All gas, all the time. I mean, that... That ceiling is good, right? Ceiling's good. Yeah. Okay. Floor. <laughs> uh, dead card. God, the deck Nothing. building cost, dude. Yeah. The deck building cost of like perfectly balancing all this. Mm -hmm. Will it be good? It could be. Like mm -hmm. I can picture a control deck that runs all of these types. 
Like I can, I could go down the list and name one of each of these types that I would run in my control deck. Yeah. Uh, so does a control deck want like a graveyard based draw five? I don't know, man. Yeah. I, it, maybe. It, some... it's, it's not terrible, but I'm also thinking the amount of time it takes to get all this stuff in the graveyard and the amount of mana, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking we could dance of the manse. That would mm-hmm. be fine. Yeah, and... we could showdown of the scalds, mm-hmm. right? Little, But yeah. yeah, cards like this don't have a solid pedigree. Like there was a Seasons Past deck that the great John Finkel top aided a Pro Tour with, and <laughs> Seasons Past reminds me of this. That was gas. It was the only time that deck ever won anything. It was a terrible deck. It mm-hmm. was gone from the meta a week later. Mm-hmm. And it was because it was freaking John Finkel playing. Yeah, that was casually the best Magic player of all time, you know? And um, so the other one, like, there's Vivid Revival that I think returned three multicolored cards from your graveyard to your hand. I, I mm. made control decks with that. It was clunky, hard to... Very unwieldy. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't foresee this being a thing but i'll try because mm-hmm. i'm an idiot it's a, it's a good card to know is in the format and has the the ceiling as you said is very high i mean it's an achievement unlocked if you get one of each right you gotta oh, you gotta yeah. try it for that at least oh yeah uh saffron olive's definitely gonna be playing with this card at some point uh, okay uh read for us radiant scroll wielder this is two in a Two and a Boros, or two red-white, four mana total. Two, four, Dwarf, Cleric at rare. And the instant and sorcery spells you control have lifelink. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile an instant or sorcery card at random from your graveyard. You may cast it this turn. If a spell cast this way would be put into your graveyard, exile it instead. What do you think? Soulfire Grandmaster's back? She, She looks so good, CGB. She just, really she, she looks so good standing over there on the other side of the street tempting me tempting me to build you a, want to play this card to build okay. a silly deck that i really shouldn't be playing yeah what are you gonna put in it let's go <laughs> no I let's mean, go give me your first three picks for the deck that's the problem it's uh, i'm <laughs> i'm i'm just joking man i think i think that this card is a trap i think that people will feel enticed to play it i don't think you should play it uh, I can concoct scenarios in which this card is quite strong, but um, yeah, I don't know. So one of the issues is just that you have to consistently have instants and sorceries in the graveyard. The at random thing is an ouch, right? Like even if you're building a deck around this, the fact that it happens at random is just kind of brutal. I mean, kind of, but then the other way that you can look at it is how many are you going to have in the graveyard at one time? I mean, I've played with Dreadhorde Arcanist, and usually your option is like one thing and one Mm -hmm. thing that's in your hand that you could cast to use with the Arcanist. Mm -hmm. This is more like, all right, I mean, I probably got one Soul Seer, so that's what's going to kill something this turn, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, there there are games and board states in which this card would be excellent, but... Just the whole kind of 2-4-ishness, the whole 2-4-for-4 four 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 aspect of it is not impressed, huh? Is not hot, no. If this were like a 2-2-for-2, two, two two, I'd be a little bit more interested in it. Yeah, the 4-mana is the part that gets me. Mm-hmm. That we're playing, or, or we need a turn, you know? We're paying 4-mana mm-hmm. for something. Its board impact is not 
good. You have to untap with this card. And when we say things like that, well, when you untap with this card, it's so good. I think of cards like Nissa, and I think of cards like Goldspan Dragon, and they still did something the turn you played them. And then when yeah. you untap with them, it's even more busto. And this is almost nothing the turn you play it. And when you untap with it, you still need a spell in the graveyard that has a relevant target and should be played this turn that you can exile. And then you still have to pay for it, right? Yeah, it's not free. Yep. Yeah, you still have to pay for the card. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, just compare this to, like, Winota, right? I could be casting Winota at this mana cost. I yep. could I could be casting Halvar God of Battle. Okay, you, now you're just burying the card. <laughs> like, you are stomping on it. I'm I'm done. I'm done. Can't so just that. keep just just think about what else you could be casting in that slot. Um, okay, next card. I'm reading through a bunch of cards that I probably don't want to read right now. I mean, I'm very fine moving to Lorehold Campus. You you want to read this cycle? I mean, which, you know what? We don't have to. It, it's a good cycle for it's, a common land cycle, yeah, but I mean, be, that's all we're going to say probably. It's going to be good and limited. Yeah, um, but that's not really what we do. Yeah, it's not, it's not really what you do, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, okay, fair. <laughs> Okay, let's let's just um, let's move on to illuminate history. This is a rare sorcery lesson to red red. Discard any number of cards, then draw that many cards. Then, if there are seven or more cards in your graveyard, create a three-two red and white spirit creature token. This is a spicy lesson, and I'm going to put it right on the plate and hand it over to you, Kovac Go Blue, and see what you think of this card. Four mana is a lot. There's a lot. Um, the idea also that you have to, that you play a learn card and then get this directly to your hand means, though, it's not it's not that far from a Valakut Awakening because mm-hmm. you did get this card for somewhat free. You know, you paid a cost and it went straight to your hand. You didn't have to draw it. It didn't take up a spot in your deck. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting one because there are a lot of decks like this and cards have a lot of costs like this where they're situational, right? Mm-hmm. You you run a fire prophecy in your deck, but now you're up against an opponent who doesn't have cards with like three toughness or less as creatures and you just don't have targets for your fire prophecy or your heartless act or your whatever or your shredded sails. And if you are in a situation where you look at your hand and you say this a crow in war is never getting cast in the matchup I'm in, you can learn, go get this illuminate history for as your option, and then you can turn those into some real cards. And if you discard enough cards or have played enough cards, you also get a board presence, which is better than the typical Wheel of Fortune type effect. So this card, I think, is best of one good. I don't think this ever takes a spot away from your sideboard in best of three. That's my take on it. Mm. Yeah, I think that that's solid. Um I think especially there are certain decks which have additional ways to leverage a card like this. So, for example, you could be putting Ox of Agonis from your hand into the graveyard, just you know, making that better. Um, even something like pitching one of your Haste Phoenixes to this isn't the worst. So there are ways to kind of mitigate the cost, as it were, and just turn this into a more raw card advantage. 
So yeah, I don't hate it. I can definitely concoct um, matchups, scenarios, decks that would feel happy to play this card. And snatching it out of the board for free is pretty gas. Um, I don't know if like this is going to be possible with the set, but say that there's say like you have two really good learn cards at like a one drop that learns and a two drop that learns and you play you know one drop learn two drop learn turn three like another two drop that learns and you just grab like two learn lesson cards that suck in this so you can turn those like free just, lessons into good just cards pitch them. yeah just yeah. pitch them yeah it's not, not it's, a, i mean it's not a bad it's, idea it's not that yeah it's not it sounds stupid mm-hmm. but it's not that stupid because yeah, you'd probably rather have a random card from the deck for free in a way. Yeah, and I mean, here's the other thing is that, yeah, getting the f- the free creature out of this is, like, that turns it into quite a good deal, I think. Yeah. And one final thing to note is that if this ends up being the last card in your hand, but you do have the at least seven cards in the graveyard, you can just make this a four mana three, two, which, you know, is not great, but... Hey, if it's the last card in your hand, better than nothing. You're not wrong, but I often, like, when I hear those things, I think, and you can hit the concede button while you're at it, because you're (laughs) empty-handed and you spent four mana on a (laughs) 3-2. Hey, man, sometimes those red decks, just they just need another thing to put that Embercleave on, right? Okay. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Okay. Um, So let's talk about a creature which, who knows whether this creature is ever going to wear an Embercleave. Why don't you read Hoffrey Ghostforge? Three and a red and a white, so five mana. This is a dwarf cleric that is legendary. It is a mythic. It's a four, five. And spirits you control get plus one, plus one, and have trample and haste. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, exile it. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's a spirit, in addition to its other types, and it has, when this creature leaves the battlefield, return the exiled card to your graveyard. Okay. That's uh, That's a lot of stuff. That's an interesting effect for a Boros card. Um, this reminds me of Night Shepherd, Nightmare Shepherd. Mm-hmm. Fairly similar effects, right? Kind of. Yep. Um, it doesn't get a stats reduction, though. That's true. In fact, it gets a buff. That's it comes true. back bigger than it left if it wasn't a spirit before with mm-hmm. Trample mm-hmm. and Haste. Um, it also reminds me a little bit of Mothra. The, okay okay yeah it's a little bit sure a little bit similar to that card as well um, it's also weird that it puts it back in the graveyard after you're done with it yeah 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 that's kind of bizarre mm-hmm. um not usually text that you have or is needed quite honestly yeah that's uh, because point. you kind of got extra value out of it already it gives everything <laughs> like a second life but it's five mana for a four or five yeah yep that's the problem and one of the reasons i was comparing it to those other cards is just to get a reference for like has this effect seen play and the answer is really not much so i i kind of don't imagine that this is going to be any different um the whole like anthem for spirits thing is just something to take note of like if this were a top end in a deck that had a lot of spirits that would be something in its favor 
I mean, yeah, do you play this with your Clarion Spirit deck? And just get get a ripped army up there just in the sky and beat them down. Do it, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, th- this card definitely reads like a meme to me. Yeah, I I don't think it cuts it. Because while all those things sound good, they don't add up to what a Goldspan Dragon is. Yeah, that's 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 the reference <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what, that, that's the bar that's what we should be comparing you know five mana mythic cards to uh okay gonna read this one real quick because it probably will show up at some point heated debate two and a red instant at common this spell can't be countered cgb's favorite words on a card and it says heated debate deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker. So one of my first questions for you, Kovaco Blue, is this better or worse than Soulseer? Worse? I I think it's worse, right? I feel like the only reason you play Soulseer is that it kills those five toughness things that you otherwise couldn't deal with. Indestructible. Seasoned Hollow Blade. Yeah, like, I guess that's selfless true. savior. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of nice too. Um, but in, in a vacuum, I do read this card as being worse. There are definitely matters in which it's better, though, right? No. You don't think so? Nope. I, I don't think anybody's trying to counter your removal spell for a, a four power or loyal, four toughness or four loyalty planeswalker or creature. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I could have definitely seen this card taking out a night pack ambusher, right? okay maybe i'm just reaching maybe i'm just reaching i i think that people will at some point play this card in the format okay yeah whether whether it's right or not i think is up for debate uh okay why don't you read efreet flame painter three and a red for a creature efreet shaman this is a one four rare with double strike a 1-4 with double strike. Let's go. Whenever Ifrit Flame Painter deals combat damage to a player, you may cast target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that spell would be put into your graveyard, exile it instead. Didn't we just read this card? <laughs> Did we? <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of making a joke. Because, I think you're trolling me. <laughs> because this is like another four mana, like randomly statted creature that wants spells in the graveyard for some reason, right? Like, there, I, I know from looking ahead that there's a cycle of cards that you can like pay two for to discard to, to get them. like an effect. Yeah. And they're really powerful. So then the idea is you play this. And you pass the turn, and then you, the opponent does absolutely <laughs> does nothing. nothing. And then you untap, and then you attack with this, and the opponent has absolutely nothing to block with, even though they just had a whole turn where they could have done anything they wanted, but they actually did nothing. And you attack with this, and you hit them, and you cast that spell from your graveyard. <laughs> Not only that, you hit them again, because you have double strike. You are so freaking awesome. You get and you cast twice. another spell another from your graveyard. Banger. Yeah. You... You know what you're going to say the first time you lose to this deck, Kovac Go Blue? Is, you know your deck sucks, right? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't say things like that. I, I simply go and uh, I have this button I hit that says end stream or delete <laughs> recording, and we move on. <laughs> 
Go, you know, go rage outside for half an hour. <laughs> I put my head out there in the wa- the icy cold <laughs> waters of Lake underwater. Michigan underwater and I scream <laughs> where no one can hear me but the fishes. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, so once in the format when you lose to that deck, that's the appropriate response. Um, <laughs> for the rest of the time, for those of us trying to play, you know, furrowed brow magic, this is kind of a move on, never read this card again, kind of a magic card. This card gets killed by heated debate, so I'm not interested. Yeah, I mean, there you go. <laughs> you can't even counter it in your sweet little blue-red counter spells. Taste it. All right. Mm, this is a kind of a cantrippy card, so let's read it. Curate one and a blue instant at common. Look at the top two cards of your library, put any number of them into your graveyard and the rest back on the top of your library in any order, and then draw a card. So this is a little worse than, what's that card called? Strategic planning. Strategic planning, but you get to play it at instant speed. So I mean, it's I I, I thought it was a reprint. Apparently, it's not. Mm, like this okay. is a new card. Um, I I don't. I mean, it's it's one more for preordain, right? And at instant speed, because yeah. you, it's kind of a scry two, but they go in the graveyard, which I guess is a little better than scry yeah. two. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, omen of the sea, but it puts it in the graveyard instead of scrying, so it's potentially better than an omen of the sea mm-hmm. if you have graveyard synergy. Mm-hmm. So I there is a world where the pieces come together and this is the right card for your deck. I'm not I don't think it dramatically makes anything playable, unplayable or significantly better. It's just one mm-hmm. of those little pieces where it might give you a little more value in a certain kind of deck than what our current options. Yeah. I compare this card to Anticipate and it's been a while since Anticipate was a playable card in standard, right? Yeah, I, I, again, I think that putting stuff in the graveyard yep. has to matter. Yep. You have to actually want some of that. Because remember, Discovery Dispersal saw a lot of play, and it was mostly for Discovery. And this mm-hmm. is that card at instant speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So, um, yeah, this this is what you play in your Efreet Flame Painter deck to, to make sure that you have your bangers in the graveyard for when you need them. Yeah. That's actually true, and that doesn't mean that deck is worth playing, but it means that this card might see play if a strategy like that looks good. I mean, they're they're pushing it so hard, CGB. They so badly want us to be putting expensive spells in the yard and then getting some payoff. And who knows? Like, maybe they'll tip the scales. You know what this is reminding me of? The Giants deck from Kaldheim. Like... It's like a deck where they're really pushing it. They're trying to make all the pieces. They're trying to give us like these big mythic cards and these common cards and blah, 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 blah. And it just still doesn't get there. So that's that's the vibe that I'm getting off of this deck. Uh, let's get to the bank. Like there are some big spells that are mm-hmm. designed and we'll talk about it even more. Like we're not going to get away from this deck, but no. I, I have some rants in me when we get to some of these cards. Okay. Sounds good. Then let's talk about, why don't you read for us <clears throat> Blade Historian. I know that you were finding this card to be pretty interesting, so I'll, I'll let you take us into this one. Hybrid Red-White, four of those. 
Yep. <laughs> Four Bor- Boros hyd- hybrid manas. Um, this is a human cleric creature at rare, a 2-3 body with a just proof that you don't need 50 lines of text on a card to matter. There, You uh, can just have a powerful line on a, yeah. on a card. You don't need a million options. You don't need it to be a charm. You don't need it to be a double-faced weirdo creature that's also a spell. It can have one line. Here's a line that's an example. Attacking creatures you control have double strike. Yep. I mean, you have my attention. I So I think a lot of people immediately... I want to say four mana, two, three, attacking creatures have double strike. Why is this better than a Torbran? Uh, why is this, like, why would I play this instead of Embercleave? And you wouldn't, because Mono Red has access to this effect already. Exactly. Mono the, Red is fine. The answer is this is not replacing Torbran. Yeah, this yeah. is this may as well not even necessarily be a red card. Mm-hmm. This is a white mm-hmm. card. This is a Boros card. Like, if you're Agreed. playing Mono Red, you don't really have a use for this, but... Those uh, Boros Boros struggles with like the closing. Like that's what we've seen. They can run showdown, but they have a lot of trouble closing mm. the deal because it's harder for them to cast Embercleave and they don't have a Torbrand. But this does that job. This is a human. Winota. Winota. <laughs> Definitely a solid hit off of Winota. A hell of a hit mm. off Winota. Mm-hmm. Like everything gaining double strike out of nowhere basically and this being indestructible and in the red zone that's that's intense yeah um that is very strong it is for devotion either red devotion for annex like think about that yeah, annex just got plus four plus O nasty. and double strike that's nasty mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um or on the other side it just turns heliot on all on its own Mm-hmm. Like Heliod becomes a five-five double-striking indestructible attacker when you drop Blade Historian w- with haste, essentially. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yep. Out of it can be kind of out of nowhere. How many yeah. times have you had the white deck? I this happens to me all the time. Mm-hmm. They've got a Heliod, but no other creatures, mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm okay. Even if they top deck Linden, it won't turn on their Heliod. You know, mm-hmm. they have to get two permanents on the battlefield to kill me. They could just top deck this or run this out of their hand and on its own now they're hitting you with Mm -hmm. heliod and you're Mm -hmm. just dead just dead so and here's here's another thing that i think really makes this card more interesting is you know because i'm sure people are going to be like but cgb it dies to frostbite it dies to this it dies to that that's all very true but this is also in the color where you're heavily incentivized to run the doggo, for example, right? Yep, that's true. And yep. there are going to be times when this hits the battlefield and you have a doggo or an Alcid or whatever, right? And your opponent looks at their hand and they look at the board and they're like, I am dead this turn. That just, that's the way it's going to play out and there's nothing you can do about it. So you have to remember that. It's not to say like this card is weak. It is fragile. It dies a lot more easily than a Torbran. Um, so that is very, very true about the card. But it is also a must kill. It is also a usually like a win the game, the turn it hits the board kind of a card. And yeah, very easily defendable in white. So that's something to think about too. Yeah, and like just some cards that are around this shell, like the Spellbinder, the Pol- mm-hmm. Polo's card, mm-hmm. like th- that that with double strike Ooh, in the that air hits is a real lot. hard, <laughs> and you know yeah. you you have good information, right? Yep, you know exactly. if your historian is going to work. 
Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, you can ask the question, is it better than Halvar? Because the current version of the white deck was running Halvar God of Battle, mostly because they wanted to play a Sky Maul and then give the creature double strike and end the game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think this is arguably better mm-hmm. than Halvar most of the time. All creatures with double strike is better than equipped creature with double strike in a yeah. lot of cases. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, think about the curves, right? This is a curve you could easily hit in this deck. You could go turn one, doggo, uh, and then turn two, just your choice of whether it's Hallow Blade or um, Luminarch Aspirant, right? And then turn three, Spellbinder, turn four, Blade Historian. That sounds like a real dead opponent a lot of the time. Like, a lot of the time. That is going to be a very difficult curve to keep up with for a lot of decks. Without having seen all the cards, do you expect this to make, like, a top ten list? I, yeah, I'm not sure that I'm ready to come in on this card that hot. Um, okay. Because I feel like yeah, th- like, okay, this isn't feeling like a Goldspan Dragon to me, for example. This isn't feeling like an Embercleave to me. Um, I mean, it gives Goldspan Dragon double strike. It does, it does, yeah. I'm I'm not willing to come in on it that hot. Um, but I think, I. Th- this is what I'll say about this card. I think that this card is going to be more playable than it looks. Okay. All right, I think it has top 10 potential. Okay. Yeah, that's a, so CGB coming in hot on the Blade Historian. But wh- what you should take away from this conversation is that um, I think this card is better than a lot of people think it is. So, yeah. Okie dokie. How about Academic Probation? One and a white sorcery lesson at rare. Choose one. First option is choose a non-land card name. Opponents can't cast spells with a chosen name until your next turn. Uh, Option two, choose target non-land permanent until your next turn. It can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. Mm, I'm kind of not feeling this card. What, what, What is up with not only do we have to learn, and now we go to our sideboard and we pick out our lesson but now we might also have lessons with multiple options yeah it's it's getting it's getting kind of messed up i mean this is starting to feel like school right like reading the set (laughs) is starting to feel like college (laughs) i mean yeah i gotta take some notes i gotta get a study group together i also it doesn't make sense have you ever been have you ever been on academic probation before I don't even really know what that means. Okay. I it, Academic probation. The the art looks like very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more like you get your grades up or you get expelled. I see. Okay. So I would have pictured this card's effect to be something along the lines of Heliod's Punishment, where mm. like you have to like remove some task counters from it, or mm-hmm. or if like you can't like maybe you have to pay a mana, and then if you don't pay three by the third turn, like it gets exiled or something. Mm-hmm. Instead, we've got this weird nebulous thing, and like when is this the right card to fetch? When you just want to name ultimatum and get one more turn? That's exactly what I was asking myself. Like, I was like, is this really, is this really ever the card I'm going to go to my sideboard to get? It's so narrow that, like, okay, sure, this might win me a game every now and then. 
but I don't think this is worth devoting a sideboard slot to unless like maybe you have a very wish body thing going on in best of one where this is another one of that you have for a very specific matchup but honestly I'd probably rather just run a second copy of a better lesson yeah I don't know when I'd fetch this lesson and I'd probably put one in there for a while Mm -hmm. and just keep track of if and when that came up Mm -hmm. if it if it didn't come up in my first week, it's it's just done. I'm off this card forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I don't know. Just think about, like, your typical board state, you know? Like, um, this isn't going to shut down. And, okay, it stops someone from equipping an Embercleave on the following turn, maybe, right? Which is just not that great. It it doesn't shut down a Great Henge, basically, at all. Um it just yeah, it just doesn't really do anything. Anything. <laughs> okay, all right. That's that's where we're gonna come down on that card. How about Flame Scroll Celebrant CGB? One in a red for a two-one human shaman at rare. Whenever an opponent activates an ability that isn't a mana ability, Flame Scroll Celebrant deals one damage to that player. One and a red Flame Scroll Celebrant gets plus two plus O oh until end of turn. And there is a backside, because it's a DFC. And the backside is called Revel in Silence. It is white white for an instant. Your opponents can't cast spells or activate Planeswalker's loyalty abilities this turn. Exile Revel in Silence. Like Did what? we just read this card? <laughs> Except it's an instant, so you can play it on their upkeep. <laughs> on their upkeep. And it affects all of their spells. Can't cast spells or activate Planeswalker's loyalty ability. Okay, that's a much bigger effect. Like, they can't, they just can't play anything they basically if they don't can have instant attack, speed. Right? They can yeah, they still get to you. attack. That's kind of it. That's, that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a card called Abeyance way back in the day before things got errated that would shut down your opponents even tapping their lands Ooh. for the turn that you played it and it drew a card nasty <laughs> I, I that i so revelant silence reminds me of a very light version of that but it's like that like time has proven that these kind of cards aren't very good if they don't say draw a card because you spent a card and the opponent still got to draw their card and attack with their creatures. Mm-hmm. And that's usually the two things that you most need to worry about. What's happening on the battlefield and who has the most cards. And you did neither. And then on the other side, the Flame Scroll Celebrant says half your cat oven doesn't work. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it just yeah. shuts down the life gain. That was supposed to be legal still, by the way, Cauldron Familiar. But, but I can't get excited about this card either. What do you think? Yeah, so the front side I compare it to Harsh Mentor, which saw surprisingly little play, I think. Um, this being a 2-1 is kind of awful. So, and then that pump ability, I mean, it's uh, the pump ability is priced to move, but it is also just kind of weird. <laughs> so It's priced to fail. Like You're going to hit him with that 4-1? You're just going to yeah, get exactly. in there? Exactly. I, no. <laughs> yeah um so yeah overall not feeling this card don't think this is going to be like the next auto include in mono red this certainly isn't going to be knocking robber of the rich off of its pedestal or anything in boros yeah i i don't mm-hmm. see this at all mm-hmm. yeah dud weird card too bad all right crafties that's going to wrap this one up look out for the next installment later in the week <laughs>